Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's podcast for the week of July 12th. I'm Jay Greg Danny, and here joining me this week is Ian Saunders. And uh, summer is in full swing here in Richmond, Virginia, as I'm sure it is uh, across the country, with uh, schools certainly being out, with vacations beginning to happen. Our phones have noticeably died down, as it does about this point every year in the, in the summertime. And so what we wanted to do today, given that the first half of the year is now in the books, is provide a little bit of insight, a little bit of recap in terms of what we saw happen unfold in the first half of the year, and maybe look ahead a little bit to see how things are positioned from an indicator perspective as we head into the second half of 2021. And, you know, one of the things that I think is important to look at, um, you know, is, is looking at the returns of the market. I mean, the market so far this year has been very resilient on the heels of a very volatile 2020. Uh, so far, we've continued to see the market uh, as, you know, the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ 100, whatever index you might be looking at, um, has generally continued to just push to new highs. And that certainly was the case through the course of the second quarter. As a result, what we've seen is the S&P 500 finished the first six months of the year with a, another double-digit return of, in this case, about 15%. And I say another, um, if we go back historically in the market, this is now the 28th time that the S&P 500 has finished the first half of the year with double-digit returns. And it always begs the question of, well, what does that mean for the second half of the year? Is that is that a bad sign? Is all of the return in the market being had and, and um, the market's going to go down from here? And, you know, the answer, if you dig into some of the data is, you know, not necessarily. And as a matter of fact, there's there's more of a positive skew towards positive returns uh, coming off of a very strong, a double digit first half of the year to the point of, you know, 21 out of the past 27 times that it's happened. The S&P 500 has actually finished the, the year on a positive note. And, you know, if you go back and you look, a number of those returns have, have actually been double-digit returns in the back half of the year as well. And so that is all to say that, you know, a strong first half of the year doesn't necessarily mean we're in for a, a negative return for the market from here on out. Uh, the other side of the equation is that it actually has historically been a pretty good sign for the market. There have been a number of times, about seven of those instances, where the second half of the year uh, was negative. But again, a, ma a majority of the time we've seen we've seen uh, uh, good, healthy returns on the on the heels of a strong first half of the year. And we'll talk a little bit more about that and kind of where the indicators uh, stand as we move through the call today. But you know, specifically as it relates to the second quarter, one of the big themes that we saw coming into the second quarter was the fact that value in general had really come back in favor over growth. And, and that was uh, working for a number of quarters now. And the second quarter of uh, 2021, while we saw all styles, uh, growth, uh, small caps, mid caps, everything in the second quarter was up, was on a, a positive note. However, we saw the growth trade really come back in the favor with uh, mid cap growth uh, and large cap growth, large cap uh, being the, the best performing of all of the nine style boxes up about 12% mid cap growth as you know, the, the Russell mid cap uh, up about 11%. So both of those styles up double digits in the second quarter of the year both up double digits on a year-to-date year-to-date basis and while small cap value remains the best performing style box on a year-to-date basis so through the first half of this uh this year 2021 so far as well as on a trailing 12-month basis the second quarter we saw really a resurgence in uh the growth categories the growth style and you know that also to ian really shown showed through 
in the sector performance in the second half or the second quarter of this year? Absolutely, Jay. Um, so in, in looking at, like you start off initially, they're looking at the big uh, surge in a lot of the value names and then a lot of the kind of more value-oriented sectors also in the in the, uh, the beginning of this year, um, looking at specific areas of, of energy as well as financials, saw a big tick up over the first several months of the year. Um, when we ended the first quarter, we were we were at a position with energy in the second rank position, consumer cyclicals in the first rank position, um, and, uh, and technology had actually uh, begun to decline there in March and had fallen down in the fifth position as we entered the, the second quarter of this year. Um, coming in now to the third quarter, we still have consumer cyclicals in the first position, still have energy in the second position. Uh, energy actually saw a decrease from a relative strength perspective within the, the Dolly domestic equity sector breakdown, uh, moved down to the fifth position there by the end of May and has now rallied back with the surge in crude oil that we'll get into more here in just a bit um, to, to be back in the second position there in the Dolly domestic equity sector. Rankings. Um, technology has has continued to tick down a bit more uh, there through the the month of April. Uh, fell down into the sixth position where, where it currently still sits. Um, but we've seen a, a resurgence with some of these growth names move, moving back in favor, showing stronger performance over the course of the past month. Um, that has led to some of the the areas underneath the hood of technology uh, to show some some significant price increases or rallies back from low levels um, there in in uh, toward the end of the month of May and in the month of June. Um, looking specifically there at some of the, the subsector breakdowns, or it, it, at least at first at the broader uh, the broader spider sector funds, um, technology continues to trail many of, many of the other representatives on a year-to-date basis with um, energy still being the top performing of the uh, spider sector funds there, ticker XLE on a year-to-date basis. Um, fin- financials and, and real estate have also sh- shown some improvement there. Um, technology, though, is, is still trailing trailing those on a year-to-date basis, but is the best performing of those fund representatives um, over a trailing 30-day timeframe. So seeing that big pickup over the past month um, has has really was initially led by many of the, the spaces in the semiconductor space. Um, we saw those those bullish percent, those participation readings uh, come back into favor, move higher with some of the earlier within the, the technology area. Um, and more recently, though, we've seen uh, the software space, which is actually the bulk of the names in the technology sector, or, or many of the names there in the software area, um, have shown more recent participation uh, with the software bullish percent reading ticker BPEC SOFT on the platform, um, showing the highest level of any of the technology subsectors at a current reading of 58%. So that's indicating that 58% of the software stocks that we track on the system are trading on a current point and figure buy signal or, or participating in, in bullish movement high. Um, so generally, good good sign to see that that participation coming back in favor for the technology space. Uh, we'll continue to wait to see if we can if that translates over to the relative strength perspective leads to a, a pickup in buy signals in the Dolly domestic equity sector breakdown as we head down the second half of the year here. Uh, one other place that I did want to mention too that we did see some changes was with financials. Um, the financial sector had shown a significant improvement really up until the end of May uh, to move up into the second rank position in the Dolly tool or in the Dolly domestic equity sector breakdown there, um, but has since backed off a bit with this resurgence in technology. So um, that that dynamic there between technology and financials and energy as well will, will certainly be an interesting place to monitor as we head down towards the second half of the year, um, kind of directly in line with that value growth relationship there, Jeff. Yeah, you're right. And you mentioned financials. I mean, a lot of that 
um, you know, probably can be tied back to interest rates where you saw, you know, generally interest rates over the course of the year have risen. Uh, the, the 10-year yield, for instance, touching one uh, seven uh, earlier uh, this year. Um, and but has backed off in the second quarter. We saw rates drop dramatically down to almost one one two uh, five. Almost uh, we got to, um, but we, and and so that certainly probably had an impact on a lot of the financials out, out there. Certainly, you know, as rates declined in the second quarter, uh, bond prices generally moved higher as well. So um, you know, a lot of things happened in the second quarter right there. Um, you know, financials is an interesting sector as, as being the best performing now uh, sector over the trailing twelve months. Uh, very kind of very very quiet. Quietly. Um, but you mentioned energy, you know, so far this year, energy is still the best performing sector. And, you know, a lot of that can be attributed to what we've seen in, in commodity prices and, and crude oil specifically, with crude oil prices up over 50% uh, so far this year, uh, adding another about 24% uh, to that in the second quarter. Uh, seeing crude oil prices rise to, you know, multi-year highs up uh, above $75 a barrel, touching that recently, uh, still well off the 2008 highs of $147 a barrel. But nonetheless, we've seen crude oil prices rise dramatically. We've seen, uh, but but that uh, really has been the case for a lot of commodities. Um, commodities across the board have really seen uh, broad participation in strength, and, and as a result, from uh, energy prices to precious metals prices to industrial metals, uh, copper, and the likes, you know, commodity prices have generally risen over the course of the board, and, and have done so uh, really across the board. And similarly. Uh, to what we've seen out of U.S. equities. I mean, U.S. equities so far this year, um, we've seen all sectors, all broad economic sectors, all style boxes are in positive territory for the year. Um, and that is a sign of just general uh, broad participation across the equity market. That has led to U.S. equities you know, being the strongest asset class for almost a year now. Uh, U.S. equities has been the, the top ranked and number one ranked asset class. Uh, but the broad participation that we've seen too within commodities has has uh, caused commodities to move up to the second-ranked asset class, having done so at the end of 2020, and has continued to pick up and gain participation uh, as we've moved through the first half of 2021. Um, so, you know, a lot of uh, positive signs, a lot of positive developments uh, across the U.S. equity uh, spectrum, as well as the commodity spectrum as we're heading into the second half of the year. Um, but, but additionally, you know, the the strength of equities. Uh, is not uh, relegated or confined to just the U.S. equity market. While U.S. equities in general have have carried the baton in terms of, of their leadership position, you know, international equities have also done well. Absolutely. Uh, so can the international equities asset class continues to, to rank a, a bit lower than the commodity space there in the dolly, uh, the dolly asset class breakdown. But we have seen some some very kind of specific areas of strength within international equities. Um, the story for much of this this surge in a lot of the value oriented areas um, has also seen a surge in the developed market space within international equities. Um, looking at the broader developed markets representative ticker EFA um, compared to the broader emerging markets representative ticker EEM. Um, you're seeing a substantial outperformance from developed markets on a year-to-date basis, um, with the developed markets up a little over 7%, and emerging markets still positive, but up just under 2%. Um, that that spread has narrowed a bit over the course of the past month or the month or so, though. Um, we we see them. Uh, 
see slight losses for both developed and emerging markets over the course of the past 30 days. Um, and, and really, they're looking at one of the big winners within the developed market space was, was European equities. Um, Europe has, continues to rank very well across most of our relative strength rankings within the international breakdown. Um, however, we've seen that, that space cool off a bit over the course of the past month. Uh, it's really kind of pulled back to more normalized trading levels from, from more overbought territory. Um, so hasn't necessarily moved out of favor there yet, certainly not from a relative strength perspective. Um, and we haven't seen that many of the funds kind of move, move to buy signals, but that will definitely be a place to see if we can uh, see if we can hold some support levels and pop as we enter the third quarter. Um, but within emerging markets, the the obviously the largest emerging market uh, country there being China has continued to see weakness over the course of the past few months. Um, but some other areas have shown some some more recent strength, um, specifically looking at Brazil. Uh, Brazil in our broader in uh, Dorsey Wright kind of country index matrix range. Ranking, um, continues to rank in the bottom half out of the 43 countries, but it's the the top ranked country in the bottom half. So it's just one spot out of the top half of those rankings, um, and it's it's showing near term relative strength and there's positive near term relative strength against every other member, all other 42 other members of that ranking. Um, so it's shown some some significant outperformance over the course of the uh, the, the past several weeks. Um, a little bit of a pullback over the course of the past week or so with some, some negative political moves coming out of Brazil, but it was also in pretty heavily overbought territory. Um, so fund representative could look towards ticker EWZ, uh, pulled back in a slightly oversold territory there, um, up, a, up a little over a percent with movement today. We'll see if that can continue to move higher and get some near-term support offered in there. Um, and then also within emerging markets, Mexico has shown more consistent improvement over the course of the past several months, really dating back to March of this year. Um, also consolidated a bit over the course of the past the, the past week or so, um, but uh, definitely another place to, to potentially look towards. Mexico does rank in the top half of our country index matrix rankings. Um, so a couple places to look there in emerging markets, more kind of diamonds in the rough um, versus a, a broader area that's still trails the developed market space a little bit there, Jay. Yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, see some strength out of uh, South America, you know, Brazil specifically. Um, yeah, very interesting to see that that unfold. And, and really, you know, there's there's a lot of the, the landscape across the, the countries, especially in the, in the second quarter that we saw um, do well, and even year to date to some extent uh, across the globe. Um, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have certainly ties to uh, energy production um, you know, Brazil and and uh, being right kind of right there in the list of, of being uh, an energy uh, dependent economy, energy energy heavy, I should say, uh, economy uh, as well. And then in the developed world, Canada is another one of those um, that we've seen. Obviously, very energy uh, heavy there uh, has done well uh, so far over the course of the year too. So, um, you know, with that said, as we kind of think about you know talking about international equities for a minute, you know, one of the things and commodities is, is too. You know, one of the the big uh, tailwinds that that both of those areas, commodities and international equities, have enjoyed over the course of the year and, and really the, the past you know, probably about 12 months now is a, a generally weak U.S. dollar. And, you know, the U.S. dollar has, has been in a, a long-term negative trend and still remains in a long-term negative trend. But for the course of this year, it's really been consolidating down in the, in the low 90s. We've seen a pretty important recently, a pretty important near-term breakout for the U.S. dollar. Um, if you look at a, a quarter-point chart, uh, on the point figure chart, that has moved uh, as we ended the second quarter, moved back into a near-term positive trend, still has a little bit of resistance in the 93 and a quarter and even up in the 94 and a half area, um, but has has uh, given a near-term buy signal, moved back into a positive trend, 
on the verge of giving a second consecutive buy signal. And so that will be certainly something to watch as we move through uh, in, into the second half of the year is, you know, a, a, a weak dollar it provides typically a tailwind or is a good thing for non-U.S. equities as well as commodities. A strong dollar it provides the opposite. It doesn't mean that, that those areas can't do well, but they, they, they tend to fight an uphill battle uh, as if, if the dollar begins to move up in, in a very meaningful way. The other side of that is, you know, while a, a, a strong dollar uh, is is not great for U.S. equities, you know, a strong dollar uh, is, is not good or bad necessarily for, for U.S. equities, um, you know, meaning that U.S. equities can do well in, in falling dollar environments as well as ri rising dollar env environments where non-U.S. equities, and there's a, there's a pretty good correlation between a, a weak dollar and strong international markets and, and a strong dollar and, and weak international equity markets. So, you know, that'll be an important relationship to watch as we move forward, uh, as we continue to move through the second half of the year. And, and we're doing so, you know, again, generally with a lot of, uh, I'll call it noise, real noise, but a lot of um, economic, political uh, 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 unrest, unease out there with, you know, you've got news, um, you know, coming out around the Delta variant of the coronavirus and, and um, the, the questions around economies reopening and, and employment numbers. And there's a lot out there um, that's happening. There's a lot out there um, that, that many investors are keeping an eye on. And that's why it's so important to, to have a roadmap, to have a game plan, uh, to have a beacon of light to be able to help navigate our investments. And as we move through the second half of the year, um, you know, we, we look very objectively at the markets and say U.S. equities uh, is the number one ranked asset class. Commodities and international are still up there on, in the top half of the asset class rankings. And specifically for, for the equity markets, I mean, the, the indexes are and it's still in positive trends, um, but it's not just the indexes. The vast majority of equities continue to trade in positive trends today, and that's another uh, positive sign for the market. Uh, specifically for the S&P 500, uh, that number is about 85% of stocks are still in positive trends today. Uh, historically, anything above 50 is, is seen to be a positive sign uh, for the equity market. So, um, you know, that certainly is the case today. That's the backdrop that we're entering the second half of the year in and using those indicators to help guide those investments um, as we move through the second half of the year is going to continually be, um, you know, important, maybe even more so important um, as there's still a lot of uncertainty out there around uh, the, the uh, economic landscape. So, uh, Ian, with that said, uh, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you all for listening to us. Um, if there's anything we can do to help you, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, our phone number, 804 three two zero eight five one one. We can also be reached at email uh, DWA at DorseyWright.com. So thank you all for taking the time to join us this week and we look forward to talking to you next week.